There's a Latin phrase that I recently added to my tattoos. Fac si facus. It means just do it if you're going to do it. Don't overthink it. Don't procrastinate. Don't overplan. Just get going. You see, a couple of years ago, I was sitting in a coffee shop with today's guest talking about this idea that we had both independently come up with on our own. And it was, what if we started our own podcast? Well, he went all in. And as they say, the rest is history. He now has one of the top health and fitness podcasts on Apple and interviews guests in the keto and low carb space from across the world. And let's be honest, it's January 8th in Utah, and this asshole still has a tan because he lives a beautiful lifestyle, eats well, moves daily, and still gets out and gets sunshine no matter the time of the year. Foxy Focus. If you're going to do it, just go do it. And today's guest is a great example and is going to show you how. Welcome to the Evolve Podcast. Evolve your body, evolve your mind, evolve your soul, and evolve your tribe. And now it's time to disrupt. And with that, folks, I want to welcome you to another episode of the Evolve Podcast. Somewhere lost in the mountains of Utah, I am Steve Cutler. Uh, joining me today is my good friend, Casey Ruff. Casey Ruff is a podcaster, personal trainer, and keto carnivore nutrition coach. Katie's, uh, Casey is the co-owner with his wife, Bethany, of Boundless Body. Casey produces and hosts the wildly successful Boundless Body radio podcast and the How to Make a Podcast podcast. Casey has been a leader in the metabolic space where he ran a metabolic testing and coaching program in the Western states prior to branching out on his own. Casey's a decorated cyclist and probably an above average hockey player. Casey joined us for Evolve 13. So after you listen to this episode, go check out that episode and uh, do me a favor, go subscribe to Boundless Body Radio. You will not miss out. Uh, it's a phenomenal podcast and it's actually one of very few that's in my uh, podcast that I listen to on a regular basis. Casey Ruff, thanks again for coming on. Uh, such an honor to be here again. Thank you, Steve. I do have to say my tan is fading. I don't think I'm a very decorated cyclist, and I think that I'm a very much below average hockey player. But I really appreciate the kind <laughs> words. <laughs> hey, there's a few things we can agree to disagree on. I've seen the uh, cycling trophies. Uh, I mean, you won your crit series back in the day. I know you like to be pretty modest about all this stuff, but uh, and I, I don't know. I've never seen you play hockey or excuse me, hockey. So I, I had to just put you at a uh, slightly above average. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that. The only barometer I have is my hockey buddies who play with me. And uh, I don't think a lot of people realize like the shit talking that happens in hockey is usually from your teammates. It's not even from the other team. It's your own yeah. teammates. Yeah. And they're really good at like bringing you back down to reality and keeping you humble. So <laughs> I guess so that's why I disagree. It's kind of like when, uh, <laughs> you know, when you run into that kid who's not very good at something, he says, but my mom says I'm good. So with your exactly. hockey team, it's the opposite of that. My team says I'm not very good. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, I've been waiting around my phone for the call for the NHL to be drafted, and that's never happened. And my buddies keep me well-grounded and, and back in reality. So who knows? Maybe when we're in our 60s or 70s, you'll get <clears throat> onto uh, some sort of senior league and you'll be able to dominate at that point. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Like you just got to wait for your call. You just got to wait for the right yeah. time for sure. I mean, you stay in good shape all year. So, um, I mean, we might outpace people by the time we're in our sixties and seventies, right? 
that's that's exactly right. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. exactly right. Well, Casey, I want to start off with a question, and this might be a tough one for you to answer because you're a pretty humble guy. But um, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. But primarily, what do you feel like you're one of the best in the world at? Oh man, yeah, that is a really good question. So yeah, I've been a personal trainer for um, coming up on 16 years. I've been a nutrition coach for five or six years. I've always been obsessed with nutrition and helping people to achieve their results. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm the best in the world at anything. Um, one thing that I'm really good at is listening to you and I credit you in any podcast episode that I've been on for giving me the advice to really embrace my passion, um, which was, you know, eventually learning low carbohydrate and animal based diets and how that can really help people. Um, it was 2018 when I felt like I was getting really pigeonholed into the low carbohydrate space and people kept calling me keto Casey, which you know, it was fun and cute and whatever. And, um, I, I didn't really want to be that person. I didn't want to be pigeonholed in something. I wanted to be able to help everybody. And I, you know, conversations with you and you telling me like, you should really embrace this. You should really like fall into the space. And, and I took your advice and I'm so glad that I did. And if anything, um, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's a talent. I don't think it's an ability. I just think that I have been obsessed with nutrition and learning about this. And I don't listen to music in my car. I don't, um, I don't watch <laughs> things that are unrelated to this field anymore. Like this is my obsession and my life passion and I, I love it. And that's what I do. And that's what I spend my time doing. It could be my professional time, my free time, whatever. I just, I, I love learning about this. And so, yeah, I, I don't think I'm the best at anything, but I will say that I am absolutely in pursuit of being the best about knowing nutrition and and pursuing that that um i guess passion in my life so i don't know if that's a great answer to the question but that's how i'd answer it i think it's a great answer because the the most successful people i know in whatever area they're successful in uh they develop that obsession right and uh people look at uh you know successful people and they say oh i don't want that life because you have to be obsessed about this and I think, I, and I used to say that from time to time, but I realized that that was just an excuse for me not making a commitment and moving forward. Um, people that are successful are the people that become obsessed and, and really become so passionate about what they do. They, they will leave no stone unturned to become uh, the expert in whatever it is that they're after. And you've been in this space for, for quite some time. Uh, but there's been an evolutionary process. Can you walk our listeners through uh, how did you evolve into this current version of yourself? Sure, there definitely has been an evolution. When you're in the personal training space, um, <laughs> speaking of like knowing everything there is to know, like the day that you get your personal training certification, the day that you get your nutrition coaching certification, you know everything there is to know. Like you know how somebody should squat or deadlift, you know how somebody should shoulder press, you know how somebody should be eating, they should be eating lots of whole grains, they should be eating lots of fruits and vegetables. Um, they should it's be like when you become a teenager, you, you just know everything, right? You know, everything. Yeah. yeah. And it's like yeah. this magical day when you're 20, that you're like, Oh, shit, I don't know anything. Sorry, <laughs> dad, like, <laughs> yep, my bad. Um, yeah, same with personal training. Like that was a great day that I got my certification and knew the way that people needed to move and knew the way that people needed to eat. And like, since then you learn that you really don't know anything. And I don't know where I heard this recently, but like on some podcast, somebody was saying like, you should really follow the people that say, I don't know. And it depends. And 
what's the context and what's the goal and like there's so much more to knowing yeah. all of those answers uh for, for you know helping you know coaching people to health they you really don't know anything it's like the quote goes you know the further away you get from the shore the deeper the water gets yeah. and that's definitely been my experience a part of my evolution um but but i would say too like part of my evolution is realizing that like things that people are told about health and fitness are not correct they're really wrong and they were excuses for me in the past to blame my clients and to say like oh this is why you didn't achieve this result it's because you didn't do this well enough you didn't you know food journal enough you didn't consider your emotions enough you didn't like eat until you were 80 percent full like it's all this like crazy advice that allows you to continue to sell sessions to people and and like convince yourself that oh this person is just not following the advice it's their fault it's not my fault it's not the fault of the advice that we're giving people it's it's just that these people are really broken and there's something wrong with them and and coming to the realization that like no actually people know what they're doing they're trying their hardest to follow advice that is simply not correct i think that's been the biggest evolution is like understanding that the government the united states government is wrong about dietary guidelines the yeah. american heart association has been paid off for decades and they're not giving people the right advice and people are trying and they're succeeding at following the advice that's terrible it it just that i if anything it's been the unlearning of standard standardized advice that has been wrong that's been my evolution i absolutely love that you know the other day i was i was uh lecturing to a group of leaders and one of the kids questioned me on something and i said i uh, look I, at the end of the day you don't have to believe me i'm here to present a concept to you i want you to go try it prove, prove me right or prove me wrong i don't really care i'm just here to present some ideas or some concepts to you but go out there and test it if it works for you great if it doesn't come on back let's talk about it what you're talking about relative to this accountability, coaching accountability, information accountability, it, it just doesn't exist. The American Heart Association, the American Dietetics Association, the American Diabetes Association, they have never, and I'm not using hyperbole here, they have never been able to produce results that make people more healthy. And yet they continue to pump out the same information and there is no accountability to it. You mentioned that your growth started when you were holding yourself accountable to better information and that you were coaching people better. You were saying, hey, this stuff is not working. And so I'm not going to blame it on maybe they didn't do the 80% or whatever it is. What, what was the shift for you? How did you get to the point where you started taking full accountability for the information and the coaching you were putting out there? Great question. Um, I think it was related to what you said. Like, I don't care. I don't care. Like, people could eat paint chips. I don't care. I'm not paid to like sell steak to people or, or, or sell vegetables to people. It doesn't matter to me. Like, my my job is, you know, as a personal trainer, I'm trying to get people the very best results. People want to feel better. They want to have energy. They want to lose fat. People are super overweight these days they're generally dealing with chronic conditions most people have prescriptions and my job the reason why people hire me is to help them to help them feel better in many different aspects and so at the end of the day i'm like you like i don't care i don't care what people do and i i recommended for years and years and years that people do 
everything that we're told, like eat lots of vegetables. Like I said, like eat the whole grains, avoid salt and fatty meat. And it just simply didn't work. And I will say that that was on two levels. Like, first of all, the people that could follow that advice, that the advice would eventually fail. It might be a few weeks, yep. a few months that you could pull that off, but it, it would fail eventually. And the second level is more just on like simple practical <laughs> you know, observations, like people couldn't do it. I didn't know many personal trainers that could eat the nine to 11 servings of vegetables that we told people to eat and, you know, eating organic and, and, you know, all that stuff, people couldn't do it. Like how, how much time do you want to spend shopping for your food on Sunday and preparing your food and all these snacks and, and meals, and you'd fill up all of these containers of food during the week that would sit in your refrigerator you would eat them on Monday. You would eat them on Tuesday. You'd probably be sick of them by Wednesday. By Thursday, most of them are going bad anyway. So again, just just speaking practically, like that advice wouldn't work for people and people would fail and they would think that they were broken and they suck. And it, it was it was hard. It was really rough to like just continually be blaming your clients for not getting great results. And it wasn't until I found some of this more like unconventional, you know, advice that people actually could succeed. It was easy for them. They weren't hungry. They felt great. And all these like chronic conditions like magically like disappeared for people. <laughs> and and like we're in the business of saying like, well, you know, everybody's different. Everybody's individual. I don't know if every diet, if this diet is gonna work for every person. But like I, I, I've been saying lately, like at this point, there needs to be a cohort of people that show up that this advice doesn't work for. Yeah. I need to start seeing people that this doesn't work for. And until then, I, I probably need to stop saying that, yeah, different diets work for different people. Like, no, I've pretty much found that this one diet can work very well with a few modifications for pretty much everybody. Yeah. And I want to put a plug in here uh, for your Patreon page, because one of the things that I, I love about what you're doing is you you've produced how many episodes now? Um, I think I just produced our 400 yesterday. So, yeah, we're up to 400 on uh, Boundless Body Radio. Yeah, so 400 episodes. But one of the things that you released this last year in 2022 was your your Patreon where people can join and they can get um, early episodes. But but the thing that I like the most that I uh, had an opportunity to get a sneak peek into was these episodes that just break down from, it's like a compilation, if I'm explaining it right, of all the different episodes where you say, okay, here's what protein is. Here's what protein does. Here's how you get protein. And it's not just you talking. It's all of your guests, all of these experts from across the world talking about protein or fats or carbs. And so if someone is just starting out, let me put that plug out there. Go join Casey's Patreon page because you will not get a better compilation of the best experts in the world explaining to you protein, fats, and carbohydrates. And, and within that, um, you know, what the upsides, downsides are, and also a few tips and tricks. But Casey, I want to come back to what you were talking about before that uh, I think recently on one of your episodes, someone uh, referred to eating more of a ketogenic carnivore type uh, diet as a species specific diet, which I absolutely love that as human beings, we do have a, a, a diet that works really well for us. Um, you know, Charles Poliquin, one of my mentors uh, early on used to talk about the importance of eating well for 
for your body. And one of the things that I learned early, early was that whatever you put in your mouth at the beginning of the day, granted it's food, is going to set up your neurotransmitters for the day. And so that shifted my mindset. One of uh, the, the main thing that he would eat every morning was steak and maybe some eggs. So I get up every morning and some nuts. And so I get up every morning and I typically will do a combination of either steak and eggs and macadamia nuts or steak and eggs or sometimes just eggs, but high protein, high fat because it sets me up well for the day. You had a, a really bold idea a few years ago when the organization that we were working for was doing regular challenges, 90-day challenges, 60-day challenges, these essentially weight loss or body transformation challenges. And you and your wife said, hey, but what if, what if we did something slightly different? What if instead of going and doing the challenge and taking our clients on the challenge like we normally do, what if we did this species-specific diet and we taught people how to eat low-carb and what kind of results would we get? Now, going back to Poliquin, Poliquin had a, a quote that said, would always, uh, where he would always say, clinicians are always ahead of the curve. People who are actually in the field and doing this stuff, they're ahead of the curve, right? They're the ones that, because you have to get results. The government can pump out shit information and nobody's going to hold them accountable for it. Nobody holds the American Heart Association or the, the American Diabetes Association accountable for the bullshit that they produced for the last 50 to 100 years. But you're held accountable. People are going to buy from you or not. Tell our listeners about what you did and what some of the results were that you started to see in that first challenge that you had. Yeah, well, thank you very much. And thank you for the plug. Um, I really appreciate that. Yeah, so our company that we were working for, um, you know, rightfully so, decided to start some weight loss challenges. And they started them by introducing what was called the 90-day challenge. So it was a three-month um, weight loss contest. And people would meet with personal trainers, they would sign up, they would get, you know, packets with lots of information and recipes and food lists and workout programs, we would do events during the 90 days. So people that signed up might do, you know, some group fitness classes or, you know, ways to like stay in shape. And it was very successful, like the company made a lot of money, the personal trainers made money when people would sign up for their services. So all around, it was kind of a win, like it worked really well. And to the point that um, the company shifted from doing two, two times a year, the 90 day challenge, they shifted to doing 60 day challenges four times a year, every single quarter. <clears throat> so again, big win, the personal trainers make money, people should be getting really good results. Um, and yeah, what, what we actually noticed was happening was that people were signing up for the challenge, they would be highly motivated, they would be getting all these recipes and meal plans and all these again, amazing resources on how to succeed and they would fail. They would absolutely fail. I, I, I can't remember exactly what our compliance percentage was, but it was somewhere um, south of 20% of people that would sign up for the challenge that would actually even stand on the scale at the end of the challenge in, in the 90 days or the 60 days. Like regardless of whether you achieve your goal, regardless of whether you lost weight or not, just the fact that like less than 20% of people would even attempt standing on the scale at the end of the contest um was was really low and really crappy and you know it's frustrating for a personal trainer not just because like you're a personal trainer because you want to get results but let's be real like personal trainers are you know financially tied 
to the sales that they make. We are on 100% commission. And so if nothing else, just practically and financially for a personal trainer to sign people up for these challenges was really tough. You could do it the first time. It would be a lot harder to do the second time. You, you had to go like way out of your way to find new people to sign yep. up for these challenges, which, which again was really tough. Like we had quotas. We had to try to meet different sales numbers during these weigh-ins and, and find new people. And it was, it was really hard. And the, the advice that we were giving people was the same standard advice that I'm, that I've talked about. Like you, you're telling people to make lots of meals, buy lots of vegetables. Um, I remember one client called me crying at 7 PM because she couldn't find arrowroot powder in the grocery <laughs> store that she needed to make her recipe. I love that story. <laughs> oh man. Like, you had to kind of like talk her down like, okay, that's not a big deal. Like we'll figure this out. But that, that was kind of the reality. And you know, you and I have a mutual friend who signed up for the challenge. I don't think he wanted to sign up for the challenge, but he was kind of forced to. And I talked to him and it, his diet was just pure carbohydrate. He was waking up in the middle of the night to eat cereal and yep. was snacking all the time and just didn't have a lot of protein and fat in the diet, like you mentioned earlier. And so we recommended to him like, hey, just get a little bit more fat. Like, let's get you satiated from some of these meals and let's just see how that works. And in a few days, he was getting great results. And he was starting to ask questions about what is a ketogenic diet. And I really didn't know. Like, I, I remember hearing about it and seeing keto on magazines at the grocery store that was just starting to happen. And we ended up, you know, learning what that was and what that was all about and learning that it was actually really safe and very effective. And so after we finished that challenge and this guy won the challenge, he did really well and lost like 26 pounds in 60 days, which is incredible. Um, you know, Beth and I were sitting around on a July afternoon. I'll never forget. It was a Sunday and we were bitching about this next challenge that was going to come up and we had to find new people and hit these minimum quotas and all this stuff that we were not looking forward to. And we just said like, like, fuck it. Like, what if we just go rogue? What if we don't do what the company is telling us to do? Why don't we pursue what has actually worked for this person? Maybe it'll work for other people. And so we ended up finding meal plans that were different than the company was giving. We ended up doing seminars to be able to teach people how this worked. Um, and we had tremendous success. Like we had um, collected data over the years of all of these people. They lost a ton of fat. We have data from over 100 people um, at a 98% success rate of actually losing fat. We had the advantage of using a body fat scale to be able to validate all of our numbers. And, you know, we, this isn't a perfectly controlled, randomized, blinded trial, but we have we have data from people, men and women, old and young, um, different goals. Some people wanted to gain muscle. Other people wanted to lose fat. And again, of all of the weight loss, which I want to say of these 120 people, there was like 720 pounds lost. 98% of that weight came from fat. Yeah. So we knew that we had found something that was successful for most people, if not all people, if they wanted to follow that advice. And so we just, again, it wasn't, it wasn't like anything other than we wanted to get people good results and financially that helped us be successful and helped us find a following of people that were no longer feeling like they were failures. They were actually getting the results they were seeking. So it was really fun. It was great. I think there's a lot to unpack there. The first thing is when you when you think about what people typically do in a in a diet regimen or in a weight loss regimen they're they're generally going back to something that they think may have worked before 
oh, I lost five, five pounds on South Beach, so I'm going to go do South Beach again. Or I lost 10 pounds on, you know, whatever it was. So they go back to that or they read something new and they, they try it, but they go back to whatever wasn't working. And then once that's finished, they go back to the lifestyle that got them to where they were unhappy. You guys just said, the hell with this. We're going to do it different. We're going to, we're going to shift gears and we're going to see if we can hit the repeat button on success. And you did. And you said over 720 pounds that people lost cumulatively, which is unbelievable. The other thing I want to unpack here, Casey, is when you talk about the maybe less than 20% uh, uh, came in and, and weighed at the end, I think the stats were even lower than that. I want to say less than 5% actually re-signed wow. the next time around. And I remember looking at this and thinking, okay, well, this is a great, you know, my job at the time was to help to push any type of revenue within that or, uh, the organization. And the challenges were part of that. So, but we always said, this is a new business revenue stream because once you sign up, you don't sign up again. And we knew that because most people fail in that challenge. And we can look at that and we can say, well, it's their fault. Or we could look at that and take personal accountability and say, no, that's, that's not. You guys saw over 720 pounds of fat loss uh, with multiple people. Now, I want to put this out there for anybody that's listening to this and says, well, yeah, but Casey doesn't have a PhD and this is not a double blind study. You're right, but it's probably the most like equal across the board way of looking at what people do in their day-to-day -day life because you had people coming to you that needed to lose 100 pounds and you had people coming to you that needed to lose maybe two or three pounds right and they just wanted to put on muscle and so this is about as real as you get when it comes to what we deal with in day-to-day -day life talk a little bit more about these results and what what you think made this lifestyle and this way of eating and living so much more um, compliant in people? <laughs> Another really great question. So I love this example. I'm stealing this from at least Gary Taubes and probably many more people who've already had this example, but I'll, I'll just say this example. So dude, I've got a banquet prepared for you. I've got the best foods ready for you. Come to my dinner this amazing banquet, it's all you can eat, come hungry. I want you to be super hungry so you can enjoy all of these foods. And like, what would you do in that, in that example? Like, how would you come the most prepared to eat the most amazing foods ever? And most people would answer like, okay, I would probably skip a few meals so I'd be very hungry. And maybe I would work out yeah. too. Like maybe I'd spend that day like going on a run or something to make myself very hungry. You, I just described every diet, every calorie, depleting diet out there makes yep. you eat less and burn more. You want to increase your energy output and decrease your energy input so that there's an imbalance so that you can lose weight. And that's what everybody is talking about. Calories in, calories out. And people don't realize that that is not a simple machine. That is a complex machine where the inputs change the outputs. And so most people will go on that diet. We're sitting here recording this episode in the beginning of January. So most people know this is the time of year that I'm going to start eating less. I'm going to start moving more and that's going to get results. And absolutely you're right. You will lose weight. You will lose some weight. The weight that you lose will decrease over time. You're going to start to notice that the energy that you had and the motivation you had starts to wane. So you have less and less of it as you go. 
And you're going to start to feel like you are not only less motivated, but you feel colder than you used to, especially in your hands and feet. Your energy is decreasing. Your, again, your willpower is decreasing and your cravings are going through the roof. Like whatever donuts people are bringing into the break room on Monday, you can avoid, but by, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, when you're really tired and worn out and you're moody, if somebody brings in those same donuts, it's like impossible. You can't override those hormones that are telling you to go attack that food. Yeah. And people don't realize that it was the diet. It was the workout program that caused that lack of willpower. It's not a lack of willpower. It's that you are telling your body that it is a, a famine. Essentially, you're not getting enough food. You're out running around looking for food and the body will adjust to that. It will start to decrease the amount of calories that it burns on its own. It really sucks. And so the opposite of that would be teaching people how to burn the maximum amount of calories on their own. How can we get your body to just burn more calories all the time? It's not, it's not even a different equation than calories in, calories out. It's just teaching your body to have more calories out by just being yourself. So replacing cardio with strength training, where yeah. you're teaching your body that your current level of strength is not adequate. You need to increase your strength, your muscle mass, your bone density, your connective tissue, all of that stuff makes you burn more calories on its own. And it's exactly the same with the food that we eat. When we tell people that you shouldn't, you know, eat red meat, you shouldn't eat fat, you shouldn't eat protein, you need to control for all those things, you need to have more vegetables and more grains, like it doesn't produce the right results. It teaches you the wrong things. And if we flip that and reverse it and have people eating lots of animal products, lots of fat, lots of cholesterol, lots of protein, and have them strength train, you get better results. And so again, it just comes back to like teaching people the, the right advice that's going to cause exactly the long-term results that they're seeking. And I will say also, when it comes to client results, like the weight loss, the fat loss, that's cool. Like that is really great. And we love that people can lose fat and they can get to their ideal weight. That that's like, <laughs> it, it's really amazing. But also at the same time, it's also like really overrated when we also have people that say like, wow, I, the skin rashes that I used to get, like they're gone. My yep. tooth that used to hurt all the time. Like it doesn't hurt anymore. My, I, I used to have IBS and IBD and leaky gut and diverticulitis, like all of those things like magically go away for people, like all the joint pain, the brain fog, all of these things start to like just go away. And people are like aging in reverse. <laughs> I turn I turned 39 this week and my wife asked me yesterday, like, how does it feel to like get older? And I answered her like, it's fucking awesome. Yeah. I love getting older. Yeah. I'm getting older and I feel way better. If I go back 10 years and like how bad my, my soreness would be after workouts and I would always get athlete's foot and I had brain fog and I needed snacks, like absolutely not. <laughs> I would never go back to being younger. I feel better than ever getting older and I absolutely look forward to aging and getting chronologically older and just feeling better. It's amazing. So so yeah, like the fat loss and the weight loss is really cool, but it's all those other things, all, all those other things that like, helps people self-select this diet. Once they start eating a very carnivorous diet, start removing plants from their diet, they just feel so much better that they don't even want to go back. I don't like have to continue coaching them for a long time because they're on the plan that they want to be on for the rest of their life and they feel great. It's amazing.
It's yeah, there's, there's a lot uh, there that you're talking about that I can certainly relate to. You know, I, I maintain uh, under 10% body fat on an ongoing basis. And it, it is it's something that I never thought would be possible. I mean, I when I was younger, I was I was relatively lean and uh, probably sat, you know, mid to low single digits, quite frankly, when I was uh, very young. And then as I got older, like most people, I ate a little bit more closely to what the standard American diet was. And but then I would shift over to a bodybuilding diet if I wanted to lose some weight. And I just, you know, I had a hard time keeping the body fat off. And because I'm a relatively uh, small framed guy, people, uh, and I wore suits most of the day, people couldn't uh, see what uh, extra body fat I was carrying. And everybody would say, oh, now you look good. Oh, there's nothing wrong with you. But I knew what was underneath the clothes. I didn't feel good. And then I knew what was happening to my brain. I knew what was happening to my uh, my gut and all, and the anxiety that would come, uh, with eating some of the foods that I would eat and not just anxiety, not anxiety because I was fearful or feeling anxious about, Oh, I just ate a donut, but like pure anxiety that came up as a result of eating the way that I was eating. There are so many other benefits. When I went keto, uh, strict, strict keto for about two, two and a half years, there were a lot of benefits that I noticed. And I say uh, probably 90 to 95% of the year, I stay relatively low carb these days. Um, and, uh, you know, lately more so on the carnivorous side, uh, because I want to test out a few things, which we'll talk about later. But there are so many benefits, so many results that I noticed my gut Im uh, health improved, my overall health improved. I was able to fight off uh, sickness, colds, that sort of things much better. I still get them, but they're like mild compared to what they used to be. The other thing too is that just mentally, I mean, the clarity that comes from eating this way, the overall mental health and the fact that I don't have to think about food constantly because it is just so <laughs> simple. Casey, walk our listeners through what's a daily eating plan look like for you? How do you um, how do you do this? And I and I use the word plan tongue in cheek because I know it's not really a plan. You don't really have to overthink it nowadays. What does that look like for you? Yeah, I, another great question. I you know I want the listener to understand that my current day took a lot of evolution. Like you talk about, it took a lot of disruption. It took a lot of you know, ignoring the standard advice and getting to where I am today. Um, I think somebody could eat my diet today and be totally fine, but th there might be a progression there. But yeah, so my typical day is I wake up, I still do include coffee in my diet, which is one of the few plant foods I have. Um, like to say that literally it's been um, coming up on four years that I have not eaten a vegetable. Like I'm telling you, I have not That's eaten awesome. a single vegetable. Yeah, it's, it's, it is awesome. I will never eat vegetables. I wouldn't force my kids to eat vegetables. That will never happen. But anyway, normal day for me currently would be, um, I will do coffee in the morning In my coffee will go a little bit of butter and some MCT oil and also some salt. Um, I really find that kind of mix to be like really satiating for me. Um, the MCT oil in particular really gives me a lot of brain energy and really turns on my mental capacities, which I love. Um, a few months ago, my coffee, um, machine broke and I had to order a part that took about 10 days to arrive. And I didn't have coffee in those days besides, you know, one or two days that I went to the store. And I can say that like, um, I, I didn't necessarily miss the coffee, but I missed the fat in the morning. The MCT oil in particular mm. was like a really good thing for me to have. And so I include 
that in my diet and I keep that plant food in my diet for that reason. Um, other than that, I really don't consume any plants. My first meal um, would be sometime um, around 11 a.m. to maybe 2 p.m. depending on the day. Um, and, and it's really just dictated by what I have going on in my day. So if I'm really busy, it might be a little later. It just depends on my schedule. Um, but I will consume anywhere from six to 10 eggs um, sometime around that time, uh, hard boiled is really easy and convenient for me to, to do. And so, you know, depending on my schedule and my hunger levels, um, I'll do that during the day. If I have to miss that, if I'm just too busy, then it's really not a big deal. I just will feel like, you know, little waves of hunger as the day goes on, but it's not, it, it's not enough to like have me like craving sugar or wanting to snack or anything like that. I'll just wait for dinner. Uh, dinner you, for me you don't is experience really... being hangry anymore, right? I, I think that's an important thing to, to recognize because a lot of people get hangry. They get that hunger, anger thing that just combines and they think that's a normal thing. You haven't, how you don't experience that anymore, right? Zero. And I'm really glad you brought that up. It's only been a few years that that has actually been an accepted word in our dictionaries. Like hangry, is yeah. a word it's not just yeah. like slang it's a word in the dictionary now why have we been humans with language for so long and it's only been like 2018 or 2019 that we said oh okay this is a thing like this is a word that we can all use like that should tell you right there that something is very wrong <laughs> with our diets and absolutely not i have not been hangry in the way that i used to always be hangry it's been years it's just one of those magical things that like slips away and you kind of forget about like, oh yeah, like I used to feel hangry and I needed a granola bar between clients. I needed to have my yogurt snacks between clients. Like yeah. you don't need any of that. You might feel a little stomach hunger, but it's not hanger. Absolutely not. I mean, I don't think the, the, the ancestor, we live in Utah. And so the ancestors that were walking across the plains to, uh, uh, to Utah or going to California for the gold rush or whatever that, I, I don't think that was in their lexicon. And I'm pretty sure that the cavemen, didn't create a word. I, I don't remember seeing any hieroglyphs on the wall uh, that represented hanger, right? That, that's a, that's a it new was, thing. It was right next to the pictures of the, the blend text where they used to like blend yes. up all their vegetables yeah. and like the, the, the oatmeal the snacks juice. they used to yeah. have. Uh, yeah, totally. That bullshit. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah, exactly. No, I never get, I, I never get hanger. Um, it, it's just, yeah, it's, it's once you eat the right foods, that that's the kind of thing that just slips away. And so, yeah, going back to what my day is, I'll eat eggs sometime in the middle part of the day. At night, I will have whatever sounds good for dinner. It will be carnivorous. It will be 100% animal products. Um, generally speaking, it will be red meat. So it's really like whatever red meat I have around. It could be burger patties. It could be meatballs. It could be tri-tip. It, it doesn't really matter. It's just like whatever sounds good. I try to always have a few different protein options on hand, um, whether that's, you know, some chicken breast or maybe it's some bratwurst or whatever. Those are kind of the garnish to my meals, but my meals are generally um, red meat, lots of fat. Um, I will say that if cholesterol caused heart disease, if cholesterol uh, causes any of these things that, that people say out there, dude, I would have died of a heart attack like years ago. On weekends, when I have the yeah. time, I'm telling you, I'm cutting up like half a bar of Kerrygold butter, like several tablespoons of butter, which I snack on. Actually, I'll cut it up like cheese and just eat it for the for the hell of it, like That's during so the week. Cool. But like so good. Yeah. yeah. But I'm like, I'm cooking up 
like half a stick of butter with like 17 eggs to watch my formula one races. And I do that like every weekend when I have the time to do it. Like I, I should have died. I should be dead by now. And I feel amazing. And I don't suffer from any of those things that we've already talked about. So yeah, that's a typical day for me. I don't make it a big deal, but I do absolutely focus on animal foods and animal products. And I go out of my way to make sure that I am not consuming plants. I, at this point, I'm not telling people that plant foods are good for you. I'm not even telling people that plant foods are like neutral. I'm telling you that plant foods fight. They are smart as shit and they will fight back against predation and they cause major harm. And I know how bananas that sounds in 2023, but that is my assertion at this point. And I, for whoever wants to hear that message, I'm helping people to get plants out of their diet. And, and so they can, they can just feel better. So again, that's, that's what I prioritize. And that's a normal day for me. You, uh, you really opened my mind up to uh, some of the damaging effects that uh, plants and plant foods can, uh, can cause. You've got a few episodes where you guys, uh, you and your guests talk a lot about oxalates. So I would encourage our listeners to go uh, listen to some of those episodes uh, so that they can become more educated because it's, I mean, it's almost just this given fact in our society where people say, oh, we all know what a healthy diet is. It's all about, you, you know, you got to get your fruits and veggies. And so uh, I would really challenge the listener to go out there and do some study and, and, and some uh, reading and some listening to understand how plants fight against you. It blew me away as I started thinking to myself, okay, I know curcumin, for instance, here's a, here's a chemical that has anti-inflammatory properties. And so I would take curcumin and saw great benefits from it. But then one day I thought, well, hey, you get curcumin from, um, what's the, I can't remember what the spice is. Uh, Rick? You get it, uh, turmeric, yeah. So I started drinking turmeric tea. <clears throat> well, then my inflammation went up and you know, I started having problems with that. And so I stopped doing the turmeric and I threw the curcumin out. And curcumin is, uh, you know, d does have some anti-inflammatory properties. I, I don't use it anymore uh, because I don't need it. But the turmeric actually has things inside of it that fight against the curcumin or the anti-inflammatory properties. And so it doesn't just create this neutral benefit type of thing. It makes things a lot worse. I want to go back just for a second, though, Casey, to what you were talking about before, um, that your your lifestyle is something that has been an evolution. And it's been a step-by-step -step process for you to get to where you're at right now. If somebody's just starting out and they say, I want to feel better, I want to lose some body fat, I want to get rid of the brain fog, I want to <clears throat> heal my gut, I want to improve my uh, overall uh, joint health, I want to get stronger, all of these things that, that come from eating this way. Give us a first step. What should what should somebody start with? Yeah. So for that person, first of all, and, and foremost, I really want to make the point that for that person, you need to give yourself some grace and you need to realize that it is not your fault. Wherever you are on that spectrum of health, it's not your fault for where you are. Like, yeah, like don't beat according to up. the most recent. Exactly. According to the most recent study that we have, which was 2018, seven percent of Americans, 7% are considered metabolically healthy. Wow. And that was pre-pandemic. So those numbers are vastly worse now. Yeah. If it just go walk around, you can see that. Yeah. Um, so I would just say, first of all, like, like give yourself some grace. It's not your fault. It's your responsibility, but it's not your fault. So it's important to make that distinction. The first thing I would say 
for somebody like that is, look, we understand that you're hungry. You are walking around every single day very hungry. You wake up, you have hunger. You eat, two hours later, you're really hungry. You need snacks because you're hungry. The line that wraps around every soda store at 3 p.m. are people that are hungry. They need a pick me up. Huge lines. Unbelievable lines. Exactly. Around the building. And Google it. It's always at an off time where it's not mealtime. It's not noon. It's not 6 p.m. It is 3 p.m. and 8 p.m. that those stores are the busiest. It's when you would think like, well, if you just ate a few hours ago, why are you needing sugar cookies in a bucket of soda at 3 p.m. There's no reason for that, except that people are hungry. So the first thing that I would love people to start with is let's get you out of the hunger cycle. Let's make you not just feel stomach full. Let's get you really satiated. And I'll give you a really great example. Yesterday, my wife and I drove down to Rodizio, Brazilian steakhouse. Dude, this place, they know us. They know us by name. The waiter that comes around, they know what we're going to do. We are going to tear this place up. <laughs> we come extremely hungry for a meat buffet that never stops. And every time I go there, I think like, dude, I'm going to sit in this chair for six hours. I'm going to eat all of the meat. They're going to get exhausted by bringing me food. And what every single time, what inevitably ends up happening is we're there for about 45 minutes and all of this food comes around and it is so delicious and it's amazing. I can't get enough. And then it's like, okay, like starting to get pretty full. And then it gets to this point where like, I, I, I can't, I can't do it. I can't even look at it anymore. I, all of this food that was so delicious. I now have this like aversion to, I'm so full. I couldn't eat anything if they tried. The poor waiter comes around and was like, you guys ready for dessert? And we're just like, absolutely not. I can't put another morsel of food in my mouth. And that is satiety. That is when your body is so satiated, it can't eat anymore. And it sends you these really powerful signals that come from your hormones that tell you like, you have to stop eating. You might have one more bite of food that you're either going to waste or you need to eat and you just can't eat it. And so I would encourage people to like, give yourself permission to eat red meat, to eat eggs, to have the omelet, to have the steak and eat it until you are truly for the first time in your life satiated. You can't have another bite if you wanted to and see what it feels like to go like 12 hours, 14 hours, 20 hours where you're just not thinking about food. You could eat if you wanted to. I could eat right now if I wanted to. I just, I'm not interested in it. And so that is where I would start with people. Have animal proteins and fats. Give yourself permission to have that and eat that until you feel truly satiated and see what it's like. And if it feels good, try it again. Try your next meal. You'll you'll just feel great and you'll probably stick with it. I love that. They So at the place that you're talking about, they've got the little... Uh, wooden dowels that you turn up up and down right it's green on one side red on the other they probably don't even bring those to you do they they just know you're it's <laughs> it's, it's green until you're done and you stand up or or you roll out um, yeah that's a really good point it really shouldn't <laughs> yeah don't don't bring them to casey and bethany um but, but it's a really powerful thought process to uh to and and just a thought experiment and then a physical experiment to say all right, I'm going to eat till I'm fully satiated. 
you know, I was having a conversation one day with some uh, people at work and one of the guys says, how do you eat what you eat all the time? And I said, I love the food I make. Number one, I said, here, just try this. Tell me this is not good food. And he's like, oh, I don't want to take some of your food. I'm like, I'm fine. Just take some. So he eats some of the steak that I made in the morning. He goes, oh my gosh, you eat this every day? That's so hard. This is not hard. This takes me like 10 minutes in the morning to prepare all of my food before I come. I, I literally will go lay my clothes out, come back while my steak is cooking, and like, I'm done. That That's it. I chop it up. I throw it in. Like the whole thing is about 10 minutes of, of prep time. I'm, I'm good to go. I said, but here's the difference. You see, in about an hour, I'm still going to feel great. And you're going to be going to the bathroom with the runs based on what you're eating. And then two hours from now, we're going to do a push-up challenge, and I'm going to dominate the hell out of you. And I got 10 years on you. And well, yeah, but that's because you work out all the time. Well, that's part of my lifestyle, but it's also because of how I eat too, right? And, and don't you want to be my age and still be uh, dominating? So it's it's important to understand the satiation, but then pay attention to what's happening an, an hour or two later. How do you feel? Do you have the brain fog? Do you have the ability to go for a long walk, to do some push-ups, to do some pull-ups, to do something later on? Uh, you you brought up something I want to touch on because I know it's really uh, close to your heart and mine that, you know, during the pandemic, we, you and uh, my co-host, Miles, who is off today, and I used to get on calls together and just chat. And you're in one part of Utah, I'm in another, and Miles is off in Ohio, and we were just blown away and, and really sad about what we were seeing. People uh, during the lockdown and, and post-lockdown uh, were just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I know you and I will text about this from time to time, or when we get, to co get together for coffee, we'll talk about it. It's just as mind-blowing of how wherever you go, you, you see people that are so much larger than what they used to be. And this is just within the span of two years. Um, metabolically, you mentioned it earlier that eight, what was it, 7% in 18, 2018 were metabolically 2000, A 2018 study observational, but showed that 7% of Americans were metabolically healthy. So 93% metabolically unhealthy. And it's gotta be far, far less than that now because you, you cannot be metabolically healthy with the excessive weight and body fat that people are carrying around nowadays. It just, it doesn't exist. And I don't care about all the body positivity bullshit that people are trying to pump out there to uh, support the weakness that we have in society. The science doesn't change, right? I mean, the science is the science. We've, we've studied this for years. You are not a metabolically healthy person if you are 30, 40, 50% body fat. Right? It just doesn't, doesn't exist. But <laughs> I'm sorry. My hair is my hair. My skin is my skin. Like the things on my face are called glasses. You can call them whatever you want, but they do the same thing, right? They're just metabolic health is metabolic health. You are not metabolically healthy if you're overweight. So part of the reason why we started these podcasts is because we saw that and there was some sadness there. And this is an ongoing conversation that you and I have of just how shocked we are at what's happening in America. And I think that's part of the purpose of what we're doing today and uh, ongoing with uh, getting information out there. Now, with that said, there are other people that are doing the same thing. And I want to get your take on 
some of these people who kind of sit on the fringe because what you're promoting is a really healthy lifestyle, but it's also very simple. A few weeks ago, there was this guy, everybody knows him, called the Liver King that, uh, you know, people said, oh, this guy's on steroids. No, he's not on steroids. And he, he finally, you know, got outed as being on steroids. And the first time I saw him, like, holy shit, that guy is on steroids. I've been in this business long enough to know when you're on steroids. The, the problem is, is the dude's principles that he puts out there, they're actually really good principles. You know, when he talks about how to live a good life, eat carnivore and, you know, ground yourself, uh, get your feet on the ground, get sun on you. Like his, his principles are really good. Um, but he, he's kind of tainted that because he's out there juicing up and, and he was juicing to, you know, to show this off. So there are these guys like the liver King that are, that are putting themselves out there as the fringe of what is a healthy lifestyle. I want to get your take on that. Oh man. Yeah. That's a great question. I, I yeah, heard about that a few weeks ago and I kind of like you, like, I'm not really surprised. Like, I, I don't know. Right. I, I, I haven't been around steroids, uh, clearly, uh, for my bicep size, I haven't been around steroids in my life, but you, can, you know, you kind of have that like big rounded belly that like, yeah. or your face yeah. structure or your, your finger, like you can just the tell. red skin. Um, yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, yeah. You've seen it. Yeah, you've been so, in the gym industry long enough to know you, you can, you can pick those guys out. Yeah, totally. So, yeah. I, so I can say like, I don't know. I, whatever somebody personally wants to do, I don't really have a problem with. Um, it, it's, it's tough. It's tough um, to see certain people. So I'll, here, I'll give you a great example. So um, somebody in the carnivore space, his name is Dr. Paul Saladino. He wrote a book called yep. The Carnivore Code. I yep. have it behind me. It's one of my favorite books. It goes really in depth about how a carnivore diet is amazing. And also following a carnivore diet and, and, you know, writing books about the carnivore diet, he also sells supplements um, and takes a lot of organ supplements, for example, um, and sells them. And so one of the tricky things and, and a huge debate in the carnivore world is whether you should be eating nose to tail, meaning you're eating all parts of the animal, including the organ meats. Yep. And, you know, I've seen a lot of people over consume things like liver and organ meats. And those are, you know, those contain a lot of fat soluble vitamins like vitamin A that you can actually consume too much of and can kind of make you sick. And one way that those kind of toxins can affect you is in your thyroid. And so these people have learned that they're eating tons of meat, tons of organ products, selling organ products, which I think is the key there. And they, they, they become sick. They, they become unwell. So then they start going back to consuming tons of fruit and tons of honey. And then they start promoting that idea to people that have been following that. And one of my consultation calls this week was somebody who started following this person, Dr. Saladino. They got great results by following a carnivore diet. They then saw that Dr. Saladino is now promoting eating like three to 400 grams of carbohydrates coming from fruit and honey. Yeah. And he's also like in the sun all day. He surfs like three or four hours a day in Costa Rica. He does crazy hard workouts. That's not this person. This person was a teacher who, you know, got, again, great results on carnivore is now told like, it's okay to have a lot of fructose in fruits and honey. And now she is re-addicted to carbohydrates and she's not eating fruit and honey. She's eating crackers and 
desserts and candy and stuff that's sitting around her house that her family is buying that they're all eating now she's eating it too and so she was led astray from what really worked really well for her so it sucks it's like you said the advice can be very simple like stick with animal products eat those until you're very satiated you don't really need to supplement unless there's something like they, that you have to supplement with and if there's a specific need we can talk about supplements but like just stick with the simple stick with the meat heavy products and you'll be fine and so yeah it's it's a bummer that there are influencers out there that are changing their narrative whether it's to sell more products i i don't know i don't really care but it, it sucks that they are leading people astray in that way um so yeah i would just really encourage people to keep things really simple um and and you know listen to the message of liver king and yes it's still good to like go outside and get sun and be grounding and eat animal products it's just when it starts to get like really salesy uh, that's that's when i start to kind of back away from people yeah i'm with you and it's funny that you bring him up uh paul saladino he was uh i had to look him up because i can't remember what the he what his TikTok was but he calls himself carnivore md right and this guy uh, to me he started out with some good stuff and then he just became a joke because every video was about um this is shit and that's shit and you know this is garbage and throwing stuff around and and i get there's got to be some production value there but um at, at the same time i always question when somebody's trying to sell me a supplement why are they telling me what they're telling me right if they're trying to sell me something that's going to go in my body then why then then i immediately i'm a little tainted with what you're telling me so i'm with you on that i think that it's really really critical to be to be critical of what people are putting out there and then to test it on yourself and understand if people are giving you that advice is that advice great for them because of their lifestyle because yeah if you're doing what he was doing getting some fruits and honey in might be beneficial for you right you might need to do that if if that gives you some uh some more energy if you're out surfing and you're doing all of that stuff and you're working out on an ongoing basis i mean I just interviewed a guy who is uh, training for the Olympics right now, and um, he, he has to do intra-workout carbohydrates uh, because he just he was finding he was bonking too much, and there was nothing about uh, a high-fat diet that was allowing him to do the type of interval training that he needed. And I found this with uh, several of my clients that, that had high intensity, and even with some of my workouts where if I'm doing high intensity stuff where I was training a lot more, I needed some carbohydrates, not necessarily intro workout, but uh, to keep me going. But that was um, during that period of time and, and then I didn't need it anymore. I wanna go through some questions about why people or why the industry say certain things. Why does the industry tell us that vegetables are the basis of a healthy diet? uh i mean as weird as it sounds money <laughs> it's it, it, it's money and and you wouldn't think that like you mentioned earlier like the american dietetics association would really care about you know money and it, it that's what it is and also there's a lot of religious influence which a lot of people don't know about the american dietetics association was started in 1917 by um seventh day adventists seventh day adventists um started promoting vegetable heavy diets in the 1860s they called it the garden of eden diet 
so that they could quell the natural desires of especially kids, young men who were masturbating. I am not making this up when I say that the Seventh-day Adventists <laughs> are, are, are still to this day one of the major influencers of the message around plant-based diets. They own the Blue Zones. So the Blue Zones that people talked about you know, 20 years ago is now a concept. Your city can spend $6 million to become a Blue Zone Project accredited city, if they yeah. want, promoting plant-based diets. Um, such they, a they, scam. Oh my god! It's such, such a, scam. a scam. It's a scam. It's just a scam. And to think that you are doing yourself a favor health-wise by eating vegetables, which actually like did not exist like 200 years ago, nope. and that you're doing the best for the planet by eating those things, and you're doing the best ethically, you're not killing animals by eating vegetables, is absolutely preposterous. It's not true. It is false. <laughs> And, and it causes a lot of damage and destruction. And, and vegetables are parts of the plant that are highly fortified with chemicals, like we talked about earlier, that can cause damage to people. They, they have oxalate. There's crystals in plants that build up in your joints and in your kidneys and, and cause you to even ridiculous things like hiccups and belching and gas. And, and, and it's just, it causes so many harms to people because these plants don't want to get eaten. And the Seventh-day Adventist church believes that when enough people convert to eating the Garden of Eden diet, that Jesus will come back. And th th these, again, these practices that are promoted by the, the WHO and the Food Compass that was just released by Tufts University recently promotes like brands of cold cereal. <clears throat> yeah, Brand names of cold cereal, healthy for you, are more healthy for you than like eating an egg or <laughs> having steak. It's on, it's on this what, ridiculous what, what were scale some of the where brands? Because I remember, I remember we talked about that one day, but there were these sugar fortified cereals, right? Like that were higher on the list of saying this is healthier for you than eating steak. Was it like Life cereal? Or I can't even remember what it was. Frosted Flakes was one. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, mini wheats was one. Like sugar coated frosted mini wheats, whatever like literally on these scales, like these foods are scoring in the 70 out of 100 or 80 out of 100 or 90 out of 100, where they're already like they're rewarding those foods because they're fortified with nutrients. Yeah. And there's like, yeah, exactly. They're scaling down foods that are natural, like eggs or meat, because they have saturated fat, because they have too much protein, for whatever reason, <laughs> for whatever reason, they're like scoring these foods. It's like common common goddamn sense like <laughs> <laughs> cold cereal is not better for you than eating eggs cold cereal was invented by john harvey kellogg in the 1800s he is a seventh-day adventist was a seventh-day adventist who at age 12 his, his parents didn't even send him to school because they knew that jesus was coming back according to their religion that they subscribed to so he had to get a job at age 12 his job was typesetting for the founder of the seventh day adventist church ellen white and typing out all these things about how terrible masturbation was for kids it was like the worst carnal sin you could ever imagine and so he invented cold cereal as a way to bring young men's hormones down and and stop them from masturbating yeah. it's not a secret like anybody could look this up it's insane and that message carries on to today with a plant-based message and people make money that's that's all there is to it 
Well, and the reality is, I mean, let's let's be honest with uh, everybody who wants Jesus to come back from not uh, beaten off. It's probably going to work if you eat that way, because I can guarantee you that if you're starting to, if you think the frosted flakes is uh, healthy for you and you start to eat that, your libido will drop. You will gain a massive belly. Uh, you'll have uh, you'll have what they call the dicky do, where your belly hangs over. <laughs> <laughs> and, and sticks out more than your dicky does. Um, you won't have the hormones, right? Um, so That's yeah, right. you'll probably not only uh, will not be masturbating, but you won't have any type of se uh, healthy sexual life. Um, That's right. You know, this is something that I think is really fascinating, and for men out there, I want to make sure that we 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 wrap this around to the hormonal piece that you're talking about, because as people start to eat in a more carnivorous way as they start to eat more animal products they're they're getting higher fat higher protein in their diet the hormonal balance starts to take care of itself and i've seen so many people where sex drive just goes through the roof because they uh they're they're happier they're healthier their hormones are starting to balance out their body's not fighting against this chronic inflammation and they start to have uh more testosterone in fact a few years back, I was a uh, co-owner and a chief operating officer in a medical spa, and, and I had um, overseen a medical spa for about 15 years prior to uh, jumping into the medical spa industry. And I got tested. Um, this is probably one of the few times that I got tested just thinking to myself, okay, what would this do if I were to take uh, hormone replacement therapy? Because I was curious, um, you know, what men were doing. And I'm, I'm not totally opposed to that idea. Uh, of hormone replacement therapy. I'm not telling people that they should or shouldn't do it, but I was really curious. So I got tested and I sat down with the nurse practitioner who was uh, doing the results at the time. And she said, hey, you're in, a, you're in a really good range, especially for your age. Now, if you were to do pellets or something like this, you could go to a higher range. So what do you want to do? I said, well, I don't want to do it right now. I'm just, I'm, I was curious and I want to see if I made a few lifestyle changes, what would that be? So I actually called you and I think we sat down over coffee and talked through, okay, what would this look like? If I wanted to get my testosterone higher, what, what are some common themes? So I kept it pretty simple. I got more sleep. I uh, went to bed earlier. I started getting more sunshine and I increased my fat intake a little bit. And I don't know what it was, two, three months later, I went and got tested again. And sure enough, I'd seen a, I don't know, 60, 70 point increase in my testosterone. Felt great. Body fat went down even further. I started uh, implementing a little bit of zone two cardio too. Um, so longer walks because I wanted to see if I could get my body fat down and if that would make an impact on it. And literally those four things, you know, more sleep, a um, little bit more sunshine, a little bit more fat, and then vis-a-vis uh, -vis, my body fat drops down, testosterone went up. And I didn't didn't do testosterone at that time, didn't feel like I needed to. And I was, I don't know, 44, 45 years old uh, at that stage and haven't been tested. Uh, but I still feel like, uh, you know, my, my hormones are in a good spot. You mentioned cholesterol before, Casey. Yeah, why do people say that eating a carnivorous diet is horrible for your cholesterol? Um, it is, well, it's horrible for your cholesterol if you're looking at the wrong information. Um, we think that cholesterol <clears throat> it works like um, cold grease in a pipe. 
we think that cholesterol works inside the body like cold grease in a pipe where we pour the grease down and it clogs things and it causes problems. <clears throat> uh, the idea that cholesterol causes heart disease is an idea known as the cholesterol heart hypothesis yeah. that was really pushed forward in the 1950s and 1960s by a doctor named uh, Dr. Ansel Keys, who did some really uh, like pretty terrible studies that were observational. Um, so they couldn't prove anything. And he basically said the countries that ate the most saturated fat had the most heart attacks. And that was the idea that was pushed forward and, and people pushed back on him and said, wait, maybe it's the sugar, maybe it's, um, smoking, maybe it's living in cities, but he was a really loud and boisterous voice. And that message was embraced by, uh, um, you know, organizations like the American Heart Association. And to this day, we have this idea that if we consume cholesterol and saturated fat, that those things are going to clog our arteries. Cholesterol has so many essential functions in the body. If you didn't have cholesterol, you would die right now. Like yep. all the structures of your cells, your cell membranes, the, the basis for all of your sex hormones, like we talked about earlier, come from cholesterol. And to say that cholesterol is going to clog your arteries when you consume it is very much like saying that every time you see a fire, you see firefighters, you blame the firefighters for these fires. If you didn't know any better, <laughs> you would just say like, who That's the great... hell are these? Yeah. Like, who are these idiots? Every time I see a fire, I see firefighters. Like, get these guys out of here. These, they're the worst, right? Like, that's yeah. what you would think if you didn't know any better. It's the same thing. Cholesterol performs many essential functions. It is essential for your immunity, your immune system, for brain health. Your, your brain is made of fat and cholesterol. And, and again, all of your cell membranes. And so to say that it is unhealthy is preposterous. It's never been proven ever in any clinical trial that they've done. And they've done many. And, and it, again, it's so essential for health that people need to understand that and understand they're being lied to. And just getting your cholesterol to be a lower number is not going to help you with heart attacks. We told everybody from the 1960s that you should reduce the amount of cholesterol. You should reduce the amount of saturated fat that you're eating specifically for heart disease, right? What is the number one killer in America today? Yeah, heart, heart disease. disease. It's still goddamn heart disease. We didn't yeah. do anything for heart worse. disease. And right, it got worse. And so did obesity and so did diabetes and so did Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and all of these chronic diseases that everybody is dealing with. Those all got worse, not better. And neither did heart disease, which is the one thing we were trying to fix with changing our diet and telling people to eat lots of grains and vegetables. Like it is not working. It didn't work for the one thing that it should have worked for. So yeah, cholesterol is not bad for you. You need to consume it. You need to have lots of it so that you can have healthy hormones. And your example of your lifestyle changes is perfect. Eat tons of fat, get lots of sleep, get out in the sunshine, try to reduce your stress load, go on walks, lift weights. That's it can be very, very simple. Like you said, you do those things, you will be off the grid. You will not go to doctors. You will not need prescriptions. <laughs> you will not need to go to the dentist. I'm telling you, like you, you will stop spending money because you don't need to. It's amazing. Yeah. I, I think one thing too, um, with keys, we need to point out as Ansel keys was not just a, um, a quote unquote scientist, but he was a guy that was into pushing propaganda and then pushing down anybody that went against him. In fact, if you read about his life, he was he was the type of person that he would ruin people's careers. 
if they disagreed with him. I mean, he, he's kind of like the example that I think all major media uses nowadays to say, well, wait a minute, if they're not with our narrative, how do we destroy them? And you see it on, on both sides of the of the aisle with the, the far right and the far left political spectrum. Uh, I think they they both took uh, uh, some of their tips from Ansel Keys. Uh, Casey, a few few last questions for you, uh, more so just uh, on a personal note. What what have you learned in the last three years that excites you the most? Oh man, uh, yeah, great question. I guess Dr. Ansel Keys was the original like cancel culture. <laughs> yes. Um, I <laughs> I I have learned more in the last few years about how truly toxic and harmful plants can be and i'm not telling everybody that they can never eat plants ever again um but i am telling people that you need to really respect the fact that if you care about animals and you don't want to kill animals you should feel the same way about plants and you need to respect them they are not put here on this earth for you to take they want to reproduce they can't run away like you can and so they have developed chemical products that that like definitely poison small insects and rodents and build up over time in humans as well and i would just say like be respectful of plants again it's not to say that you should never have plants but learn methods of cooking that are traditional like understand mm -hmm. that your grandparents peeled potatoes they didn't eat spinach year round they cooked their spinach and usually served it with some type of a cream or something that had calcium in it to help detoxify those plants. We have lost that wisdom in today's day and age. And people are doing what I did several years ago, where you're blending up tons of spinach and beets and kale and almond milk. And those plant products will fight hard. You are consuming poison. And that poison will have an effect on you, whether it's now or 10 years down the road, that has an effect. You can't do that freely and think that you are so special that you can just eat any type of plant 365 days out of the year. You need to be respectful. That's the one thing that I would say I have learned more in the last three years, that the plant-based movement is a total scam and you need to be really careful when you consume plants. Love that. What do you know now that uh, other people don't know, but you wish they did? <laughs> that spinach is bad for you? <laughs> <laughs> which i love i've always hated spinach what what spinach scares is you? bad for you <laughs> what scares you right now oh man what scares me right now um i i don't know that's a really good question i i don't really think anything scares me right now i feel really good i'm in a good place with life and business and you know, when I consume mostly carnivore, my day-to-day -day anxieties just kind of slip away. And I, I don't know, I, I, I guess I can't really answer what scares me, right? I get bear eating me all of a sudden, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important though, to, to point out as you've, as you've been on a carnivorous diet, anxieties drop significantly. What do you think you're most proud of right now? uh i i love that question that's a question that my wife and i ask each other every single week as part of our three questions is what what's one thing you're very proud of um i'm i'm really proud that our message is reaching more people um had lots of consultations of people that book free sessions with me this week and to talk to people all over the world and and for free not not getting paid a dime but to be able to talk to people 
um, and try to help them and find solutions for them and their health. It makes me proud. It makes me, you know, say that like, I, I'm not going to be a millionaire anytime soon. I don't think if I was, that's great, I guess. But like, I, I just, I love helping people and I, it makes me proud to um, help people that have been given the wrong advice to be able to start to turn their health conditions around. That makes me really proud. That's awesome. Who's inspiring you right now? Um, boy, everybody. <laughs> um, you know, I, I guess the first that comes to mind is the, the Fetkeys. So Dr. Gary Fetke and his wife, Belinda Fetke are, are people mm -hmm. that I've interviewed on the podcast. I've had her, yeah. um, more recently, and I'm going to interview him again recently. And I, I, I would say looking up to them and the research they've done on all the things we've talked about, the harms of the plant-based diet, the, the financial motivations and Dr. Very, Gary Fetke was somebody who was performing lots of diabetic amputations and recognized that that sugar was a huge culprit. And he told the Dietetics Association of Tasmania and Australia, and they took him um, to legal action. And it was four years of fighting that just by saying that sugar is harmful for people. He fought it and he won and and it was a terrible cost to him personally and financially, but that, that, that type of thing really inspires me. So I'll say, um, people should look them up and, and they're amazing people that really inspire me right now. Great episodes that you've done with them. I'm excited to see what you've got coming out. Uh, well, Casey Ruff, thanks so much for, for coming on a lot of great wisdom today. Uh, you know, at Evolve, we believe that, um, personal evolution happens by making one simple habit stacked on top of another. If there was one habit that you would like for our guests to start with today, out of everything we've talked about, what would it be? Eat salty, fatty red meat until you are fully satiated. Love that. And on that note, folks, it is time for us to wrap up another episode of the Evolve Podcast. We want to thank our guest, Casey Ruff, for joining me today. Uh, Casey, what is the best way for people to follow you, get more information? And if they're interested, book a consultation with you. Yeah, uh, Steve, thank you so very much for hosting me. It's fun to do this in a podcast episode, but I know if this was a normal Sunday, we would be at the coffee shop and having this exact same discussion and talking about a lot of you know different things and solving all of the world's problems. I think we're the very best at knowing exactly what everybody needs all the time. And that's what we do every Sunday. It's great. The funny thing <laughs> is, uh, is I this episode is literally like our coffee talk. Like we, we've, we always enjoy talking to each other, but I've noticed over the past two years, we're just like podcast assholes that just get, well, wait, tell me about this. Well, yeah. And then, and so like, as you and I have become more question based in our lives, we just literally podcast each other every Sunday when we grab coffee. Dude, it's great. I, you know, yeah. during the pandemic, you know, by the nature of things, we cut down the relationships that we have. And, yeah. you know, my relationship with you and our meeting up together has been so special. That was never something that was ever in jeopardy. So I really appreciate you and the time be on the podcast. But like I said, we could have this discussion anytime and, and be totally fine. But yeah, people can go to our website is the best place, which is my boundless body.com. Uh, one of the first things they'll see there is a book now button where people can schedule a complimentary 30 minute consultation with us. Um, we can talk about anything. We can talk about how to help you structure a carnivore diet, help you talk about how we should, you know, structure your movement. And yeah, it, it's, you know, we do sell sessions and we sell 
um, our time for sure. And we have a business and, and we, we make money with our business and we've earned the right to have the expertise to really help people and sell sessions and provide a very high value for people. But that session is free. People don't pay any money for that and they can book at any time from wherever they are in the world. And we are more than welcome and willing to talk with anybody about whatever they have. So again, the best place is myboundlessbody.com. Awesome. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, it, it jump online, book a session with Casey. Make sure that you're listening to Boundless Body Radio. Subscribe to the uh, to the Patreon so you can get access to some of the great content that uh, Casey puts out there in the compilations. And remember that it takes time and consistency to evolve. But first, you have to disrupt. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Evolve Podcast. Follow us on your favorite podcast app, and if you haven't done so, please give us a rating. As an independent podcast, it really helps us get more reach. This podcast is part of our mission to help millions of people evolve into the best versions of themselves. Please check out our coaching services at evolve-cast.com or pick up some of our Evolve merch. Until next time, keep evolving.